0: on this episode we're going to discuss time Mm. time management our most valuable resource yeah that's right uh we're going to discuss everything around the concept of time as youth pastors and how we use it uh and then maybe ways that we have been using it and ways that we can kind of look back to how jesus was utilizing his time in ministry to see that multiplication factor happen and as always if you like what you hear on this episode or the show in general we would love to connect with you further like we really do value and genuinely want to connect mm-hmm. relationally with anybody so please tap the description in the show notes to find all of our links for zero hour ministries all right man let's do this thing come on so time as i say that let me start our timer you know uh <laughs> <clears throat> you know it, i was the one who kind of brought up the uh, the concept of having this conversation in general just because I thought about uh, maybe the stark difference between how I use my time now mm-hmm. as opposed to how I used my time when I was full-time paid on oh, yeah. staff in youth ministry. Same, yeah. And it looks so different. It's kind of like appalling. It was almost like jarring to me personally to go like, what do I actually do with my time? Mm-hmm. Because there weren't, these necessarily you know like set fixed things i must do anymore like Mm -hmm. i wasn't being told how to use my time (laughs) so now it was this reality of oh how should i use my time and then if i start thinking about this the concept that we've been talking about in gospel saturation Mm -hmm. you know if this is the end goal how then should i start using my time and so that that was my reasoning for wanting to talk about it and just like the more and more i've thought through jesus's social circles and and multiple other things and the way that he lived out his ministry in those years was like he was pretty specific Mm -hmm. and the way that he spent his time and he he had a plan like he even moves on from certain places Mm -hmm. he even says no to certain things um, that he would rather spend time in other ways so that was my reasoning for bringing it up, but I guess I, I would just want to pose the question, when I brought that up, what came to mind for you in this conversation and thought around full-time ministry, how we use our time, or maybe not full-time ministry, Yeah, whatever that looks like around students?
1: Well, and, and recognizing, I, I think it's important that this is, you know, the one commodity that we're given that we have so um, little of, right, That that money can be – Earned, lost, earned again, right? Mm-hmm. But we can't get back our time. And so it is yeah. one of those kind of really precious resources. How I spend today is I, I can't do today over, right? And so I just have to move on to tomorrow. And so I think that there's an importance that even just, um, even in my own life, but I think in everyone's life, slowing down on a regular basis and just assessing how mm-hmm. am I using the time that I'm given? And how am I using it most effective to accomplish the things that Christ has called us towards, right? Mm -hmm. And the the outcome uh, is pretty clear that he kind of sets for us being around, hey, how do we make disciples? And this whole idea that we're talking about here is not just how do we make disciples, but how do we make disciples who make disciples Mm -hmm. who make disciples who make disciples? And I think the really um, sad thing to think about is if that's the goalpost, that's the lens, that's the target, um, if you look at the – the track record of full-time student ministry mm-hmm. um the the target seems to have been missed even right. though we've got more time now than ever before. Just, just from the standpoint that, you know, in the, the 2,000 years of followers of Jesus, it's only been in the last, you know, 40, 50, 60 years that the idea of having a full-time youth minister, mm-hmm. somebody who's completely funded from within your church, is devoting time to students. Right. So this is a, a new field that yep. we're living into, if we just think of it from the history of time. And it's also a very Western thing. Uh, like you mentioned, you've, you've been to other Places, it, yeah.
0: you see many full-time youth ministries in no, Africa. No, yeah, no. Uh, you know, you do see. I think people who are dedicated to saying, "I feel called mm-hmm. to the next generation of individuals within my area." So yeah. you do see that reality. But um, yeah, no, no. I mean, most of the time, in general, in most foreign countries, nobody is paid for this. So right. I would even go back to say, even the concepts of full-paid mm-hmm. ministry. Yeah is a foreign concept for the past number of years
1: yeah yeah you might just have had traditionally maybe one pastor who oversees your your parish or yeah. your community and that was it
0: and even those were would have multiple jobs
1: yeah or th- yeah they're getting a stipend part time they're exactly. living in a parsonage something like that and yeah. I've, I've been to other countries as well africa and south america and you go to different continents and it's the same thing you go and visit these churches and they might have one person leading that community who's bivocational and then you've got a bunch of other people who are volunteers and the reason i bring that up is so to think about like in the west you know the There's a certain luxury of having this Uh full-time youth pastor but yet we are now making in the west fewer disciples Mm -hmm. just in general because of the way that this generation is is moving uh the way the previous generation has has already moved into that none category and so they're raising children who are already without the construct of church in their life and yet on top of that the ones who come through our doors the really sad research shows that so many of them as they go away to, to college they're not not only are most of them not making disciples when they're in high school but many of them when they go away to college not only are they not making disciples there but a lot of them they're disengaging from their oh, their faith yeah. and so i think that and again, none of that's that is supposed to… thats supposed to that a long
0: time though. Yeah. and, and one.
1: Yeah. And there's no, no part of this that I want to feel like it's heavy-handed or demeaning, but I do think it's important for any of us who care about students, whether mm. we're doing that um, volunteer in a vocational setting uh, because it's passion or whatever that is, that we be assessing, okay, so so based on these trends, how can we better leverage our time? And that's not to disparage past generations or, or uh, any specific model, but just saying, right if If we've got this time, and this is a luxury here in the u s. Uh, in Canada and some of these Western places to have people devoted to this, how can we leverage this as effectively as possible towards what
0: Jesus has called us mm-hmm. towards? Yeah, and I guess I would also say, like, those that are in full-time student ministry, we're not sitting here trying to say, therefore, buck everything you're doing and right. change your time. Like, yes. Like, we know that there's a reality. <laughs> yeah, there's constructs yeah, that, like, that, there that you just have to is. live on. Yep. Yeah, and you're, like, at the end of the day, probably not the boss, mm-hmm. you know, of how you're, you know, like, you probably can't say, we're no longer doing Sundays or Wednesdays. Right. See you later. Like, yep. it's probably just not a reality for the majority of those who are, you know, the audience that are listening to us. And so, you know. I, as we were, you were talking, I literally yesterday I had a th- um, conversation with a 16-year-old student uh, from the Congo uh, here in Kansas City, Kansas. And we've been redoing, renovating the KCK hub location for us. And <clears throat> it'll house our college summer internship. So if you're a college kid, let us know. There you go. Drop uh, that ad. <laughs> but uh, we were cleaning it and it was a Congolese family of like 12 people, right? And this was a 16-year-old who was... In that friend group, he was, you know, a part of another family who also had 12 kids at a different place. And his dad was the pastor in the local area right by Wyandotte mm. High School. And so after we were all done, his dad, like, left him and said, you're, you're going to clean. So <laughs> he kind of helped us clean. Um, and then basically I drove him home. Okay. So me and Creighton, one of our students yeah. in Zero Hour, we drove, Baraka is his name, we drove him home. And so I was just, you know, peppering him with questions, trying to understand more. And, I was asking about the church and i was just like so do you guys have like a um what did i say i said a student thing and he was like he just looked at me like Uh. what are you saying to me he said yeah we have a kids thing i was like are you a kid would you consider yourself a kid and he was like no i'm i'm youth i was like okay we're on the same page uh (laughs) so do you have something for your age group basically you know and he was like No, we have like a little kids thing Mm. in the basement, but we're in the service. So like, I just, even thinking through, Locally. Yes. Like that's also not a reality for all churches, right. even in your own vicinity mm-hmm. or within, let's just even take a 30 mile radius. Yeah. I'm going to guess, you know, because I know the stats on churches that are like fewer than 100 people in America mm-hmm. are, it's like, it's a very high number of yes. the churches in America. No, normative size. The normative yeah. size church in America is under 100 people. So you're even talking in that context. So yeah. like, <laughs> not just the West, like you're even talking within, it's basically, affluent areas mm-hmm. that have the time, the resources to actually dedicate an individual yep. to this thing. So, you're, it's a very small percentage of us that can dedicate full time yep. towards students and student ministry.
1: And be compensated for doing so. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So, yep. uh, you know, I, w- I just want to drive that point home because I think it's really important for us to get that context because if we don't yeah. understand that – you know, in the light, and the lens of gospel saturation, like the entire city, every single student in the high school and middle mm-hmm. schools within our area to see, hear, and be able to respond to the gospel and follow Jesus to make disciples. Like if that doesn't, like that has to be the end goal. If we don't right. have that, then this conversation is whatever. But if we do have that reality, and then the way that we spend our time is going to have to be in partnership with those other p- places. Yes. And that is a part of where our time has to go if mm-hmm. we want to see that actualized.
1: And I think keeping in context that if you fall into that small subset that you just described, mm-hmm. and it's small in the totality of history as well as here in the West, as well as the size of church, all of that, right? So it's a small group. To feel – a little bit of the weight of responsibility for having that gift, right? Because it does mean that you're afforded the ability to do things that – a lot of other places and situations yeah. don't have. Yeah. And so again, that's not to say that there's anything that you're necessarily doing that's wrong, but I just think that it's important for us to have that context to go, whoa, this is sobering. Yep. And it's important for me to then think through, this is a gift that's being compensated by the people of God for me to do the work of God. How am I doing that most efficiently
0: and effectively mm-hmm. as possible? Yeah. yeah, so let's, as we, you know, Make you sober up. Let's (laughs) (laughs) like, what are the ways that we see Jesus spent his time? What are the priorities that he utilized in his ministry? And how does that parallel to how we at least maybe have gotten accustomed to spending our Mm -hmm. time when it comes to full paid ministry? staff members, yep. right? Like, what is that comparison? Like, mm-hmm. if there were some major blocks that you could th- see or look at from, you know, an outside perspective, what would those be? Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing that I would point out, and I want to be careful how I phrase this, because there's a lot that
1: we don't read about Jesus in the Bible. Sure. So just because something isn't there doesn't mean it de- necessarily didn't happen. But just mm-hmm. an observation that I've noticed, and I would encourage anyone who's listening uh, to check this out, is that it doesn't seem like in any of the four Gospels Jesus devotes any time to sermon prep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, and I, don't, I don't mean that in kind of a tongue in cheek kind of way. I mean just in all in all seriousness.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was the sermon.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so so we see him at points get up and speak in front of crowds. He speak in front of his disciples. There's certainly times that we see that's devoted to him going away and connecting with the Father and having that deep rooted intimacy. Yeah. Um, but the idea of him kind of saying, "Hey guys, you know, I, I need." You know, eight hours or 15 hours here to to craft a sermon. I'm going to be getting up on a mountain later and I need to come up with, you know, three solid chapters of content for Matthew's autobiography. Right. right? right. So, so, so I say that to say this one of the, one of the really helpful points of feedback that I got several years ago from a, from a mentor of mine, um, when I was just asking for, for feedback and around this topic of, of time, he said, you know, what would, what would you be able to more accomplish if you spent less time? writing messages. Mm-hmm. And that was that was convicting because right. I felt like a big part of my job was doing that. You know, I'm speaking to high school students, I'm speaking to middle school students. They're two different topics, you know, different services, all of that. And so a big chunk of my time was Putting together mm-hmm. messages, coming up with points, making sure they're right. biblically sound, that they're going, you know, writing discussion guides for our students to kind of be inspired to, to have deeper conversations around. And when he said that, it was just this like sobering thing. And and then I just started thinking through that. I was like, Well, yeah, Jesus didn't spend Jesus spent a lot of time with people, talking to people, preaching to people. But we don't really get a glimpse of him going off and spending eight or 16 hours, you know, a day, a full day or two full days crafting these Mm -hmm. messages. Um, And so I think that that's important for us to keep in context. Now, again obviously, son of God, right? So, he's yeah. got he's got a certain, you know, exegetical ability when it says that he uh-huh. is the word, right? Yeah. He's able to, like, understand that in a deeper way uh-huh. than what I am when I have to actually, like, dig it in and go, what is this? And what, what does the yeah. Bible actually say here? So, that's not to say, like, throw out all sermon prep, but if we look at the life of Jesus, I just wonder if we would elevate mm-hmm. more of his time with people and figure out if there's a way to kind of pull back
0: mm-hmm.
1: on some of the time spent crafting messages.
0: No doubt. I mean, I think but the time that he does spend alone, it's like he's he's seeking to be in the presence of yes. his Father. Yes. And that's well, it's a intimacy. vastly different concept. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what if instead of we're spending time prepping in a sermon, it was hours mm-hmm. trying to seek the face of, of the God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Yeah. And that for one word he gave you was what your sermon was based on or yeah. what you gave to a, the rest of the students, imparted yeah. onto them, you know, like We have to have that kind of faith and belief that the God of the universe Mm -hmm. wants to speak to us in that way. And are we willing to give up our time and prep – like, it's not wrong to do, but are we willing to give up 80% of that Mm -hmm. time, 50% of that time, to even say, just be in the presence of the Almighty God Mm -hmm. and just rest in it?
1: Well, and even on that note, it's uh, probably been maybe about 10 years ago, someone gave me this book uh, by a guy named uh, Leonard Ravenhill. It's called Why Revival Terries. I love that name. It's, it's, yeah, the name's amazing. The The book is deeply convicting and challenging, and it's, a, it's an old book. He probably wrote this in the 50s or 60s, and so some of the languages, metaphors, and analogies are, are dated, but one of the things that he talks about in there is just the importance of anyone who's in uh, any kind of ministry of having... Uh, what he calls like devoted time in the prayer closet of having this time, mm-hmm. like exactly mm-hmm. what you just described, where you're connecting uh, with, with God as our father being formed uh, by the spirit into the image of Christ, right? That That's so crucial. And one of the things that he wrote in there, and I remember the first time i reading this, wanted to throw the book because it just felt like it was like such a, like an idea that just would seem so preposterous. And he said, uh, any pastor who doesn't devote at minimum two hours a day in prayer is not mm-hmm. worth their and I remember reading that and just being like, only somebody who wrote this in the 1950s could say something like that, right? Because in my mind, I want to just kind of write it off and be like, well, that's not practical. But then it was deeply jarring because if I, again, if I just started thinking through my own life, mm-hmm. 10 years ago, where I was, was not there right mm. uh it wasn't that i didn't pray but it wasn't like it was a i didn't see that as being like a, a productive part of the ministry work that i was doing mm. it was like yeah that's important to do you know when i meet with a volunteer or when i'm uh yeah. counseling someone when yeah. i'm working with a student or you know i'll pray in those moments i'm gonna pray before a meal but they'd be hit or miss it definitely didn't culminate in in two hours of, of time in the presence of god mm. and so that has been transformative in the last yeah. decade in my life to say that's something we see Jesus prioritize. It's what we see the early church place a, a heavy emphasis on. And I found it personally to be one of the most transformative things that I can do is by cultivating that space. And mm. so, yeah, it's getting up early, but it's also figuring out how what are the rhythms created throughout my day where I'm prioritizing these things working into how am i spending my time not just praying myself but activating others within my you know influence of ministry to pray whether that's uh volunteers or leaders but also students like share a little bit kind of about you know just on that note of prayer and how time plays out how that works within zero hour because i know there's a couple different expressions of of how we're seeing this emerge and Mm -hmm. you know love to just maybe
0: plant some seeds for others who aren't aware yeah i mean and two like when when the idea or the thought of Zero Hour came about was in the midst of the pandemic for mm-hmm. me, right? And so initially it was just this, okay, let's just do a trip unlike any other trip that actually trains students to make disciples within their schools. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's the baseline. We're gonna partner and pair them up with coaches that walk with them ongoing. And we're just gonna try our best to multiply as rapidly as we can mm-hmm. uh, through students. So that was the initial piece, mm-hmm. right? Well, then it was like, well, when will that happen? <laughs> i I don't really know any students right now because i had came out of a season of my life where i was out of that world you know it's like i didn't i don't normally just hang with students when i'm not a full-time paid youth pastor (laughs) yeah if i did something's wrong yeah right so it just (laughs) like it helped me understand like what do i do i mean i Mm -hmm. think i was literally in this position of like, what do i do with my time and you know, there was okay. I'm gonna plan for the trip. Well, we're in the midst of a pandemic. Can't really do much of that. <laughs> okay, so what can I do, God? And it was it actually led me down a really, really uh, deep hole of like, I got nothing else right now,
1: mm. Father.
0: Like, I have nothing, and the only thing that I do know is spending time with you in a new and radical way has to be the foundation of what we do moving mm. forward. And it led me down several Andrew Murray type trails of prayer stuff, humility, um, and some just things that actually the Lord needed to work on my heart in that Mm. season deeply, uh, and to just be with Him. And you know, I would also say it was, you know, I, you know, for those who have either had you know charismatic or prophetic type experiences or not, it was probably some of the first times in my life where i started to receive some pretty vivid dreams mm-hmm. um and even a a like a midday vision on i mean honestly and mm-hmm. i'm not trying to overstate this if you know me that's not <laughs> not pushing that i like it it was just a, a very vivid dream that i had and a vision in the middle of the day so anyways it 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 launched me into this reality of going this has to be central as we formalize a team around students in the city and, and if I want to be in partnership with others in in Kansas City mm-hmm. when it comes to gospel saturation it's going to have to start there. Yeah. For the most part Christians will agree to pray together, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> there's a lot of things they won't agree to do. Yeah. But I knew, okay, there's one thing. And so we have started at, I don't know, how many we've been doing it since when? Since the pandemic, 2020.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically. So so probably coming up on two years uh-huh. this summer yeah um at least that i've been a part of it because yeah. um so so close to two years yeah wednesday mornings
0: every wednesday zoom. morning at 6 30 a.m to 7 on zoom and it's really just we're going we're going to contend for students mm-hmm. in our city and we've had others from outside of KC jump in yeah. like let's go man like anybody and everybody who's willing to dedicate yeah. even just this 30 minutes mm-hmm. towards it and you'd be shocked i mean i know it's an early time but at the same time like we gotta have yeah. that time away
1: yeah, kcprayer.com, Casey, yeah. By the way, 6:30 Central. Anyone who who's listening, yeah, if you want to jump Dude, in and just awesome. and just pray. Seriously, 6:30 yeah. a.m. Central on Wednesdays, every Wednesday morning, com.
0: Yeah. And then that launched into one of the students that, mm-hmm. you know, I've been walking with basically wanted to own his own time slot. So now he's doing it on Thursdays, and it's a slow grow. You yep. know what I mean? But it's not sexy to invite people to a prayer time. Yeah. <laughs> it just isn't, you know? Uh, unfortunately, you know, like even that Congo pastor yesterday, He, you know, he was describing a story and how they had to flee the war and get here. Mm, and he was just like, wow. So one of the students from this youth group that came out to help us basically asked the question, well, how did you have hope in that season? And he was like, well, we do a lot of prayer as mm. uh, Africans. He's like, Americans don't really like to do this. And it was kind of like, you know, and it's true. Any traveling, Mm -hmm. if you've ever been out of the country, the difference in the way that we pray and and others pray. It's like, oh, man. Oh, my gosh. I I don't think I knew how to pray until hearing
1: a pastor in Ghana pray. And I was like, oh, I've never prayed before based on what what just
0: happened there. Yeah, Yeah. it's unbelievable. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of things in the West. (laughs) It's like, I didn't know. We I don't think we know how to worship, you know, like (laughs) as well, you know, like the video I sent you of that choir where the pastor's just going nuts, yeah, and the choir's just, anyways, yeah, um, I derail. But the uh, (laughs) the point is, is that like. It, it, it's not sexy to invite people to so the student has just started owning it and just going you know and our vision for it is that that thing would grow uh to be you know because our we want to see all 88 schools have a student-led church mm-hmm. represented at them and how powerful and cool would it be if if a number of those students who are equipped and trained that are leading actively to make disciples in their schools were coming into this one large gathering on zoom every thursday morning at six thirty. yeah and then per school like pushing them out into their breakout groups yeah so it's like piper high school shawnee mission west uh raytown high Mm -hmm. like they would have their own representation of inviting students into this thing and that's it's getting me pumped but enough on that so but we're just trying to help understand like there's this clear concept that jesus spends so much time with his father to the point where he literally just escapes mm -hmm. like in their midst like throws a smoke poof bomb and like disappears Mm -hmm. out the back and is like i gotta go spend time with the father
1: well and to your point earlier right that um we're We're not asking, because we recognize that there's a lot of listeners right now that they've got a couple different things going on in their life. Maybe they are in full-time ministry, but they've got someone who's above them that they're responsible to, and so they can't just make all of these changes. There's other people who are listening uh, right now who maybe they are full-time ministry. Part of that's in youth, and part of that's in another role. They're juggling Uh being the worship pastor and the student pastor. There's others that they're in part-time, not that they're not doing it full-time with their heart and passion, but they've got a full-time job or three-quarters, whatever that might look like, and they're doing this as kind of like a, a side piece to serve and love their church. And so just hear that no matter where you're at in that, you don't have to do I- any big overhauling of your life and schedule mm-hmm. to do what Corey just said, which is to just start to say, what does it look like for me to pray weekly, intentionally, and invite others into that? Yep. Every every student, leader, and pastor who's who's listening right now, you could very easily through Zoom, because of the way that this is set up, it's free. 30, a 30-minute Zoom call is free, right? And so you could, every single week, just set up a recurring Mm -hmm. 30-minute Zoom prayer that you invite your core leaders, Mm -hmm. your students towards. And that's not going to drastically impact your ability to craft a message, to run a program, to do all the other things on your plate. But I do think it would begin to be very transformative
0: mm-hmm. because I think that when we pray, we do start to see things beyond ourselves. Yeah, it'll start inform to the other things. Totally. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I mean, if there's not that, you know, and it's not to say that individuals don't already have some rhythm of that. It's right. just like, let's just call but a it. A lot of times it's privatized. Yeah, yes, that's true. It's
1: privatized. It's like, so, so it's. Oh, I've got my 5 a.m., I've got my 6 a.m. prayer time, and I'm reading and I'm journaling, but it's by ourselves. It's not in community, and we're not raising up others from within our ministry to pray as well. So what if we just elevated or amplified something we're already doing into community and Mm -hmm. use that as a pathway towards discipling
0: others into this pathway of prayer? no doubt yeah so that's like one of the main ones you know and i think that's why we're trying to spend so much time on that piece alone yeah but then like as you think through the other ones like jesus clearly had these relational circles that he mm-hmm. spent the majority of his time in now did he walk around and from town to town heal the sick cast out demons, give a sermon on the Mount, of course, but Mm -hmm. it pales in comparison to the amount of time that he spends with the three, the 12 and the 70, right? Like he just does. He spends the majority of his time with those Mm -hmm. individuals, probably the most with the 12, right? And I don't probably, I assume a little more with the three because the three are in the 12 and then, (laughs) right. Right. So, and in the 72, so 70, 72, Mm -hmm. what is it? 72? 72, but- Is it 70 or 72? I think that depends sure. on the
1: translation. Oh, wow. No, no, I, I think, or the um, the gospel account, because I think one of them says 70, I think the other You're says right. 72. Yep,
0: that's right. Okay, so anyways, the point is Jesus has this clear, like, intention with whom he can spend time with and for how much time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's all first and foremost oriented with him and the Father, and then you have the social circles where you mm-hmm. go from that three, twelve, seventy-two, 72, Right. And then, even on top of
1: that, the the outliers of that is the way that he spends that deeper time with these one-off experiences, like uh, Zacchaeus. Right? What yeah, happens with Zacchaeus? Yeah, so good. Zacchaeus yep. invites him into his home. Immediately, uh-huh. throws a party. Right? So. Again, we see so much, not just of those core groups, but these like one-off experiences where he's at around the table, Yes, you know, in someone's home, you yes. know, uh, Lazarus and, and, you know, Mary and Marthy and,
0: and Bethany. Yeah. 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 So I think the the piece on that, like that was challenging for me and I think for other youth pastors, this is, I mean... You know, I don't want to be – I want to be careful that it's not always prescriptive. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's more descriptive, but I think it's a pretty good description of how we probably ought to try to do our ministry, right? It doesn't mean that if you don't have your exact three and twelve – like, that's not what we're saying. But what we are saying is that he clearly had intention around his social circles and how he spent his time. And so, as youth pastors, I just think – we need to really think through. And you, maybe you consider your Wednesday night, your 72. That's mm-hmm. fine. Whatever. Yeah. Or that's your crowds. I, yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, whatever term you want to use. Exactly. Yeah. Let's let's call, let's say that checks that yes. box. Yep. And let's say it's a weekly rhythm. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's fine. That's, you know, maybe that's your job is requiring that of right. you. Right. Um, but… I do wonder how many of us as youth pastors, youth workers, those who are dedicated towards actual student ministry uh, have a really, really genuine 12 circle and a three. You know, Mm -hmm. I think you'd probably say most people would say my small group is my 12. And then I would say very few people would I be able to identify their three. Yeah. and with, Unfortunately.
1: And with that, um, you, do you know Glenn Kaler? You know Glenn, yeah, right? Yeah. One of the things that I heard Glenn say a number of years ago, you know. Almost all my life. Yeah. Literally. So Glenn, Glenn's an amazing man. Just just a, a record of, of amazing um, uh, ministry here in Kansas City. Glenn said, you know, he, he loves to ask people the question like, who are you discipling? And so sometimes people will list off those names and then he'll say, when are you meeting with them and yeah, what are you yep, doing? Yep. And so sometimes we'll answer the question who, but then if we dig into it, we uh-huh. don't really have a consistent when yeah. and we don't really have a consistent what. And so there might be these people who we go, oh, yeah, like I'm kind of discipling this people. And it's like, well, when do you meet with them? Oh, you know, it's maybe like once a month. It's hit or miss, right? Mm-hmm. And so like the importance of that when. You know, when you are actually Mm -hmm. meeting with them, what are you actually doing? We see that with Jesus. There's a whole lot of intentionality behind that of what he's doing with the 12. There's no Mm -hmm. way that he gets to the place where he's able to release them to go and make disciples without him having a high degree of confidency that they can go and make disciples. And I think a a great test for us is just to imagine if we have those people we Mm -hmm. list off, our 12, right, whatever that number is, you know, the, the people who we say we're discipling. If you imagine tomorrow you just cease to be in their life, yep could they go and disciple someone else right and that right there i think should be a, a measure of oh yeah if i can if the answer isn't yes then what i what do i need to change up mm-hmm. so that the answer of that would
0: change yeah i mean i think the clear answer and that's why this conversation is happening is it's time yeah like it you know if we take the parallel of how jesus it's like well he they lived together yeah. i mean it was like all the time nonstop stop yeah. together and then we try to you know i think also i thought about people will list off their three by by also you know they'll just name three of the kids that are within the 12 and they're like well when do you meet with them well, during the small group night on Wednesday nights. Yeah. So it's like you've combined the seventy two, the twelve, and the three right. all in all one, into one hour. Thing. Yeah. And you're like, Yeah, that ain't gonna cut it. Like there is a sacrifice of our time and I yep. think Americans fall very, very short of this concept of giving up their time. And with and with that, even to
1: think about it this way, it's not just giving them time but it's being intentional in what you're doing with that time oh, absolutely. because I, I'll tell you I had a, a small group leader years and years ago um, super likable guy life of the party he spent all the time with his students and he was discipling them but what he was discipling them into was how to eat too much Taco Bell uh. and fart in the van <laughs> right uh, he was discipling them and uh, he was discipling them into uh, probably watching some movies that their parents wouldn't have been real thrilled about because uh-huh. you know he was in his early 20s he's letting yeah. him come hang out in his apartment and uh, he's i'm like you let them watch that movie yeah and he's like oh yeah you know it's it's hilarious i'm like yeah you probably should have asked their parents before you let them Uh you know so so i say that to say that, yes, that time piece is crucial, but then also combining with that to go, okay, how am I spending my time? That there mm-hmm. is that piece that should be social and fun, and we're having people yep. around our table or around a bonfire in our backyard, or whatever that looks like. But there should also be something that we know is forming them into the pathway yeah, gotta of, be a journey. of Christ yeah. that's moving them into that obedience based right. model, yep. you know, so that you go, oh, yeah, here's some real fruit that I'm seeing out of the their life otherwise what can end up happening is it's like a popularity contest right it's like oh you know and people who are extroverted they can spend time with with people very naturally and still you know we might not get to that point where yeah they've they're a disciple who's capable of making other disciples Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i thought about this time concept my dad my parents had moved to haiti a few years back they're back in the states now but they spent a few years there and early on, he was trying to identify, okay, who are the guys I'm going to pour in mm. my time to? And he'll, he told me a story. He was like, so after he had kind of identified some guys who felt like, okay, God's leading me here. Um, he sat down with them and it's like somewhere like three to six guys. And they go, he says, okay, guys, when can you meet with me? And they said, well... Um, I think I have something on um, Saturdays from 12 to 2, um, but I'm free all the other days. <laughs> he says, he's like, well, I just met like once a week. And they're like, oh, well, we thought we would just come with you everywhere you go. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, like Thursday, Jesus. Friday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, I, how small my brain was. Right. And so thinking, you, know, you know, obviously Haitian context is a vastly different yeah. concept, but like, yeah. we're not encouraging any exactly. student pastor to have their children no, the, in their no. influence, not go to school. Right. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Not not what we're
0: saying, <laughs> but it was also like a sobering reality yeah. of like, oh, wow. When they talk about spending time with mm-hmm. it's ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. It's not. And, and And it was because they were like, no, we want that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like, yeah, my schedule's open. It was like. Well, I'd like to spend as much humanly possible time with you as I can so that I can learn and multiply this out. Yep. It was like, "Uh, uh, oh, okay, let's do that. You know, so, anyways, it just made me think about how, um, and, and it just like, how we give up time and money mm-hmm. like how you started off with i think that's really really important to think through it's like it is one of the things that we can be sacrificial yeah. with and i think youth pastors can get into this mindset of like oh i'm lower middle class mm. financially and so i don't really have a ton to give up when it comes to tithe and it's like no no you tithe with your time and money yeah well and and here's watch
1: watch this here in the same way that you could add in prayer one morning for 30 minutes and it have a a massive impact. Here's Mm -hmm. another thing that you can do, student pastor. You can make an intentional spot in your calendar every single week, one evening, that you're gonna have someone around your table whether that's one yep. of your key volunteers or, or a student yeah, or the student and their parents, right? And and this is something that, again, that doesn't take away from your ability to execute your middle school or high school program, exactly. prepare the message. You're already doing dinner. Uh, you're you're, you're yeah. going to be doing dinner. And so what would it look like? Because sometimes here's here's what I think happens is we can think, man, I just put in 50 hours this week in mm-hmm. ministry. Most of that happened during daytime hours Mm -hmm. and maybe some of it was on, you know, Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, maybe there's a Wednesday night that we're doing stuff. But most of us, what we end up doing is we, we almost, um, yeah, we can almost check the box. Like I've done my work and now I'm going Mm -hmm. home. And so what could happen? if in the messiness of your life whether you've got you know five kids your pre-kids you know your post-kids you know empty nest or whatever that looks like that you just said hey we're going to clear out one evening mm-hmm. a week where around the table we're going to have someone else and this is something that Sarah and I have started uh, prioritizing we we actually aim for twice uh nice. two evenings per week that we're around the table with other people and that's so this that's just a part of our rhythm we've got a mm-hmm. calendar we we go through we put stuff on there um And it's transformative, not for other people's lives. I mean, there's certainly probably that aspect, but it's transformative for me Mm -hmm. because it forces me to continue to be living into the pathway
0: of Jesus, like you just talked about there. Yeah, man, that's phenomenal. Well, you know, I do want to also speak to those who may have the wiggle room Mm -hmm. to make choices where, you know, and like one thing I have personally discovered is it's like you know, as we're trying to think through the multiplicative concepts of making disciples, like, we're we we going to have to reorient how much time and energy we give mm-hmm. to pulling off a weekly yeah. type of event to gather them all, you know? Um, and if you're able to do that and resource it out and it takes very little time and energy and effort, mm-hmm. good on you. That's yep. awesome. But I think we have to also be sensitive and aware of how we orient the students to where they spend their time. Mm-hmm. Like, we're trying to help shepherd and guide them as to how they'll spend their time. And if they, you know, correlate that the way I spend my time at, of being a believer and a Christian is for two hours on a Wednesday night, yeah. then they, we've missed the mark of mm-hmm. making a disciple, right? Like, we yeah. just have, because they have to orient their entire lives towards this, mm-hmm. every aspect, every hour, has to be into the lordship of jesus on that journey and pathway and so if you are in a position that you do have an ability to move things around i think it'd be really wise to potentially consider or reconsider with your team prayerfully alongside of God that maybe not doing large gatherings every single week should be the number one priority. Right. Right. Like, doesn't mean you
1: don't do them, but it's not the highest priority.
0: Yeah. And maybe, maybe you don't do them. I don't know. You know, maybe it is that you just go to a once a a month strategy or an Mm -hmm. every other week strategy or I don't know, you know, but like, I think those things should be on the table. Yeah. Like you should be able to put those things on the table and say, is this, actually accomplishing the end goal, Mm -hmm. you know, and I guess that would mean everybody who's listening, you should probably be thinking through what your end goal is for that student to get out of of your ministry and the time that they have, those 48 years, what is actually going to be accomplished on the back end? How can you say, I've made a disciple, Mm -hmm. right? Like, if we don't have that, yeah, you're probably never going to question your Wednesday night. You're probably never going to question the structure of how your small group works. And I I even think about Kyle, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Mullins, who uh, we love, here's at Hope Chapel, uh, who's just trying to think through new creative strategies and how to reorient the Wednesday night. And so that it doesn't look like the same thing every time and mm-hmm. it has a different flavor vibe and it requires less of his time and energy because he's in a position that he cannot just take a wednesday night off the table Mm -hmm. right and i i just thought that was a beautiful way because here we are on the outside being able to say that easily right but for those that are on the inside i think it is just about redefining what's the win what's the success and what are the things that we're currently giving time and energy and effort towards and are they producing that Mm -hmm. reality and if not all things should be on the table. Like, well, and, yeah, and, and
1: one of the things that I, I think is so helpful is to think through if part of, or, or one of the primary ways that, that discipling happens is that it's caught over that it's taught. Right. And so if you think through, if my students were watching my life and they the parts that they see of my life they reproduce that. Would that get them to make disciples, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so if, if what I mean by that is if the primary time that your students interface with you is just through a large group program and it's through you being up on the stage, mm-hmm. this is important to understand. Your pa- your your uh, students that you influence will think that is how you will make a disciple, right? Because you've sho- you're showing them how. The, if the if the snapshot they have of your life mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. that. That's yep. what they think the outcome is. So, so even, it's not necessarily changing or, or overhauling um, everything that you're doing from a student ministry, but just even start even using that as a lens of how are you giving students more access to your life so they understand more fully what discipling mm-hmm. looks like so that if they copied and paste what they're experiencing you do with them, with others, that that would also make a disciple.
0: That's right. That's right. I think about even one of my past previous students that he, uh, him and one of the other guys, like, had it in their minds that, like, I'm going to be in full-time ministry, a.k.a. means I will be a pastor. Mm. And it was just like, you know, he's he's a college student now, and I've just been pulling my hair that doesn't exist out. <laughs> um, going dude. Pulling your beard? <laughs> yeah, pulling my beard out. Um, been like, dude. You're already already in in full time ministry. How much more did I have to say this to you? Yeah. (laughs) And he's like, Yeah, I know, but I'm like, No, there is no but. Like, you're going to be, you you like accounting. You want to be an accountant. Be an accountant. Yeah. But I want to help walk with you to actually be an accountant who influences the lives of Mm -hmm. others, whether it's in your accounting, your neighborhood, or with students or a different population, people group you feel called to. Like, let's do that. And it's like, I'm having to it's so hard to rewire that Mm -hmm. it's so hard like even as kids because that's all they've been shown or all they've been you know all that they see and like seminaries are only trying to produce that yeah and it ah man it's like driving me (laughs) because i love this student and i'm like i'm amped about his potential Mm -hmm. uh and it's not even potential it's his It's his actualization of how he's already been gifted and wired and equipped and how he could just live into that. And it's more of just a switch of the brain to flip that switch and get him to see, no, you're already already doing this. Just keep doing it. And so, you know, like, and I would always try to say, even as I was that full-time paid youth pastor, I'd go like, this is not a real thing. Like what I'm doing right now on the stage, talking to you, pumping you up whatever this is not a realistic thing this is not what it means to be in ministry it is a part of what it means to be in ministry it's not the part it's Mm -hmm. a very minute part like and i don't even know like there are specific people that god has set aside for that thing and that's great yeah but like if we're not you know speaking that into life into our students and getting them to understand and recognize that the ways that they spend their time energy and efforts as an everyday believer yeah. to make disciples in their context then we are just going to produce the exact same thing and we're going to keep falling short now i think you know especially if the church hits any any more damage mm-hmm. financially we're not going to have youth pastors anymore, yep. and then what are we going to do? Yep. How are we going to actually start to reach the the next generation mm-hmm. in this way? Like you'll you'll be forced to think through that other lens, like so many other small church youth pastors have to do. Yeah, and the thing that I was thinking R- rant over, sorry. Yeah, yep. no, no.
1: But but going <laughs> off of that, and and I think that this is a, a helpful thing that anybody could do um, to use this lens. And, and I'm going to give four Dude, things here, and maybe maybe Josh, there's more.
0: Practical, baby. Just I'd super love practical it. here.
1: So. My experience in in, in ministry and student ministry, a lot of time can get broken up into maybe four different buckets. You've got programming, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we know what that kind of entails, yep. right? And making that thing happen. The other thing uh, that a lot of time can get focused on is planning. It's planning for future camps. It's yep. planning for yep. um, a Big worship events, night. Basically. It's planning for yeah. yeah it's, it's planning. What are the small groups going to do when they get together? Right. So you've got programs. You've got planning. But what we've been talking about here. Is people and then prayer, and Mm -hmm. so just imagine those four things. What would it look like for you to assess your calendar and say, "What if I even just tried to have those break into more equal buckets?" Because I think most of us who have lived into that would probably say, "There you go, prayer, people, planning, and programs." Keep going, keep going. Yeah, those. I was just going to say, yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that if a lot of us are honest, that planning and programming. Mm -hmm is where we spend a lot of our time and then the third one will end up being people mm-hmm. but it's it's third and then the fourth if we're honest is prayer yep. and what would it look like how would this transform your ministry if you just said hey let's just make those 25% each and you even try to think through how you put together your schedule to say hey 25% of my time is about Damn. prayer activating others into prayer 25% of my time is around being with people my leaders my volunteers my students those Come that I'm on. actively discipling yep. those who are outside the walls of the church that I'm trying to yep. d- disciple the into the ki- yeah, yep. yep, and then yeah, and then saying, what if I of my. 40-hour, 40 45-hour work week. What if I was only spending half of that time doing anything that's planning or programming related? Mm-hmm. And you you put that kind of lid upon yourself to give you access to do those other things. And, and I think right. that it would be transformative in your own life, but I think it would be transformative to the other people around you, yep. not just in spouse, your ministry. Kids. Spouse, yep. kids. Oh gosh, your yeah. neighbors, even your coworkers, yep. you know, that start seeing you live into that different kind of way. I, yes. I think it'd be revolutionary.
0: Yeah, man, Dude that is so good like we're gonna land it there with the four p's baby <laughs> um well we hope that this one's been uh, helpful you know we want to continue this conversation too the next couple of weeks and just talking about the concepts of time and how we utilize it so um yeah man so good let's just keep rolling with this thing
1: yeah remember if you uh, ever want to join us for prayer Come on. 6.30 a.m. Central Time, Wednesday mornings, kcprayer.com. We, we love uh, getting to pray with other student pastors. And, yeah. and like we say at the beginning of the show, we want to know you. We want to hear yeah. more of your story and engage with you. So uh, if you've got questions about anything that you've heard, feel free to reach out to us at any point. Um, we'd love to help you as you navigate through your your calling and your context.
0: Love it. Bless up, dude.